important thing we've learned so far as children are concerned is never, never, never let them near your television set. Or better still, just don't install the idiotic thing at all. In almost every house we've been, we've watched them gaping at this screen. They loll and slop and lunge about and stare until their eyes pop out. Last week at someone's place, we saw a dozen eyeballs on the floor. They sit and stare and stare and sit until they're hypnotized by it, until they're absolutely drunk with all that shocking ghastly junk. Oh yes, we know it keeps them still. They don't climb out the windowsill, they never fight or kick or punch. They leave you free to cook the lunch and wash the dishes in the sink. But did you ever stop to think, to wonder just exactly what this does to your beloved Todd? It rots the sense in the head, it kills imagination dead. It clogs and clutters up the mind. It makes a child so dull and blind he can no longer understand the fantasy of fairyland. His brain becomes as soft as cheese, his powers of thinking rust and freeze. He cannot think, he only sees. All right, you'll cry. All right, you'll say. But if we take the set away, what shall we do to entertain our darling children? Please explain. We'll answer this by asking you. What use the darling ones to do? What use they keep themselves contented before this, this monster was invented? Have you forgotten? Don't you know? We'll say it very loud and slow. They used to read. They'd read and read. And read and read. And then proceed to read some more. Welcome to the Extensive Reading Podcast, where we take an intensive look at extensive reading. I'm Travis Past, and along with me, our poet... <laughs> um, Jose Camino. I'm not the poet. That was Roald Dahl's, that was Roald Dahl's poem. Um, but a wonderful uh, a job reading it. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> could have been better. <laughs> um, anyway, that was a poem that uh, our guest in our last episode um, said was wonderful to read aloud. Um Felt good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just an encouragement to uh, throw out the TV set and to read and proceed and read some more, right? Yeah. Throw out the smartphone too. Yeah, right, <laughs> while we're at it. Uh, let's not be too drastic. <laughs> let's not. Uh, I have to say, we didn't read the whole poem, we just uh, cut it halfway through. Yeah, so um, an excerpt of that. And you can go and read, like, look it up and <laughs> read the whole thing. It's really not, not too bad. Yeah, so anyway, uh, let's take a look at what we have going on today. Um, today we're interviewing Dr. Tabata Sandam down in New Zealand. Yeah. And I'm actually, well, I'm always, but especially I'm looking forward to this interview just because I have a, a personal interest in, in learning Japanese. And she's the lady to talk to about Japanese and extensive reading in Japanese. So I'm... Hoping to learn a lot from our discussion with her. Yeah, me too. She's been uh, a Japanese teacher at a university called Massey University in New Zealand for some for a few years, I think. And she has also been doing some very interesting research uh, with uh, students of Japanese who have been doing extensive reading and also with uh, authors of graded readers, of Japanese graded readers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, researching the, the, the challenges they face and the motivation to write those readers. And as for these students, the, their motivation to read in Japanese and how they fare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even before preparing for this interview, 
I didn't even know there were uh, graded readers in Japanese. Well, there are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jose, you, you've bought some? You've, you've brought them here? The... Well, I did buy them a long time ago yeah. and I read them. Yeah, the, from the Nihongo Tadoku Library, uh, the Japanese extensive reading library. And yeah, we'll talk about them later, hopefully, during our interview with uh, Dr. Tabata Sandam. Time. Perfect. Well, let's get to it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I can hear you very well. I might not use the earphone. Okay, yeah. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting. Oh, no, no. Thanks yeah, to you for nice being to there. Meet you. Yeah, likewise. So, um, what's your background and how did you end up doing and researching on teaching extensive reading? Um, I was just teaching like a tutor without any power. So my boss always gave me lots of um, only reading classes and because reading classes are very difficult to teach. And so I had to explore how can I make my students more smile or enjoy reading in Japanese? Because as you both know, reading in Japanese is very, very difficult. So um, I thought, um, I studied master's degree, master's study, and then um, I was very lucky to have direct guidance from John McAllister. Mm -hmm. John McAllister is a, I think he's a regular reviewer and a regular um, article author for foreign, uh, reading in a foreign language. Yeah. And he's a very, very strong promoter of extensive reading. And also, um, I was even luckier to have a direct um, guidance from Paul Nation. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Paul Nation is my neighbor. So, <laughs> so both of them are very, very strong supporters of extensive reading. So I was doing master's degree under their guidance, and then they sort of um, nicely brainwashed me, and then I thought... <laughs> I really have to um, try extensive reading. And also, um, their teaching actually um, uh, reminded me of extensive reading. I actually um, practiced when I was a law school student. I actually didn't know that when I was doing extensive reading like 30 years ago um, as a university student, but um, I thought, oh, I was doing extensive reading myself. Mm. So it took me only one year to be able to read newspaper in English. Wow. <laughs> yes. So um, I had a sort of a faith from experience and uh, um, John McAllister and Professor Paul Nation's teaching gave me more theoretical background. And so I thought, oh, I really have to try. And then my boss, even if he gave me always reading classes because he didn't want to te teach them, <laughs> but he was very open-minded and he said, yeah, why don't we try? And so um, I was able to sort of experiment extensive reading with my students and uh, um, instantly um, they liked extensive reading 
because they had been always taught by grammar translation, and then they were always struggling, always looking up dictionary. Every like a sentence, they had two or three unknown words, and then they were always doing like a the pinch code, unpack the pinch code, and then three hours in one short text, they didn't understand anything. But now I brought easy graded readers with some pictures, so even if they are um, like an adult uh, university student, just they instantly like the approach. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started extensive reading in practice, and then uh, and then I picked up a few students, and uh, I did my first um, extensive reading research for three months. Yeah, that's how I started it. Great. Mm-hmm. So yep. kind of. Uh... You said you you discovered it naturally on your own, and then later kind of was introduced to like the pedagogy of it. That's that's yeah, really interesting. Yeah. I was really lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that's similar to what Atsuko Takase told us. Um, yeah, like she was doing extensive reading without being aware that <laughs> that she was doing extensive reading. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, what's so good about extensive reading? <laughs> Um, so I think it's very easy to say just, um, the beauty of extensive reading, uh, is the extensive reading teaches teachers and learners, um, that, uh, reading can be learned only by reading, Mm -hmm. which is a very, very famous cliche, that sort of phrase. And I think uh, Ray Williams uh, like he's another hero. Um, yes. 1986, he said lots of um, very uh, original tense principles for reading teachers. So it's before extensive reading ten principles, and he came up with lots of ex- uh, not extensive reading instruction ten principles, and then he actually said reading can be learned by reading, and so um. I think on the extensive reading approach um, explicitly teaches or reminds us um, if you want to become a good reader, um, you just have to read. And I think that's the beauty of extensive reading. Uh huh. A simple truth. Yeah, simple truth. Yeah. Right. But any other method, I think they miss the very simple truth. Uh huh. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe this is not one hundred percent the case with Japanese, right? You have to do other things besides reading to to be yeah, able to learn <laughs> reading Japanese. That's very but. true. Yeah, that's very true. Um, because um, uh, sorry, I might just jump a little bit uh, before you, but um, you might want to ask um the sort of benefit of explicit um kanji learning uh-huh. or vocabulary learning. Um, it's very very true. Um, uh. Ex- in ex- extensive reading on its own cannot give learners everything. So again, um, I might probably cite lots of things about Paul Nation's study because he's my hero and mentor. And then so Paul Nation is saying, um, uh, have you ever heard four strands? Of course, I'm a big yeah. fan of that. Famous four strands. Yeah. So, Strands is uh, meaning, focus, input, meaning, focus, output, language, uh, learning, and then uh, uh, fluency development. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very true, even more true with um, second language Japanese learning because um, uh, 
Japanese is not isolated uh, language. And then Japanese is like a kochakugo. Um, I have to take out my note because I never read that. <laughs> yeah, this big one, um, agglutinative language. Mm-hmm. Agglutinative language. So um, if um, learners try to uh, learn very subtle grammar uh, aspects, such as, for example, um, uh, passive voice, you know, um, Taro wa okaasan ni okoraremashita. You know, um, I don't think it's very, very easy for learners of Japanese to accurately, explicitly master uh, such subtle uh, grammar item from only extensive reading. Mm-hmm. Um, while second language English learners probably master grammar, syntax, um, items more easily from just extensive reading because um, uh, English is, um, you know, isolated language and that every compartment comes more clear in written text. So for mastering Japanese, um, as um, Jose said, um, not just extensive reading, but learners have to use all available methods so explicit learning becomes very, very important, especially if you belong to educational institution, um, because you have teachers and you have classmates. So definitely learners have to maximize the benefit of having um, teachers support and learners supposed to learn those very subtle Japanese unique um, syntax uh, aspect. So I think extensive reading, if um, somebody, a teacher has a discretion to design a reading course, um, I think extensive reading shouldn't be more than 30% or maybe somebody disagree with me, mm-hmm. but I definitely don't uh, agree if somebody said, no, you just give learners extensive reading, they'll master speaking writing, listening, I don't think so. Well, especially, especially, I think, with uh, the differences between English and Japanese, you would need to learn an entirely different writing system. I was I was thinking yeah. of the writing system. I was not thinking so much of the syntax. Um, I mean, it, it's difficult to, like the sentence you said, like Taro was angered by... <laughs> His mother, yeah. uh, like you can't, you can't say that in. You can't just translate the syntax into English. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So that's very subtle, and I agree that it must be very difficult to just to grasp that from like incidentally. So that might require explicit yeah, instruction. Explicit but I was, I was just thinking of the um, of the writing system uh, or systems, and uh, maybe for those in our audience who are yeah. not familiar with uh, how Japanese is Japanese is written. Maybe you could tell us um, about such things as uh, kanji, hiragana, furigana, etc. Yeah. yeah, so um, in Japanese orthography, um, we use three different character and syllables. And so the kanji is used to write mainly content words. And then uh, uh, we use one syllable, which is like an English alphabet, um, a conveyed only sound. And then uh, we have one 
which is called hiragana. Hiragana is used to write um, functional words such as end of um, verbs, conjugation, part mm -hmm. uh, or um, adjective uh, conjugated parts. And so um, that's hiragana. And we also have the other syllabary called katakana. Katakana is used mainly for um, uh, foreign language originating words like a karaoke. Um, karaoke? <laughs> <laughs> like a um, uh, credit card or yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, it's not very rigid, but that's a general rule. And then important thing about Japanese, um, written Japanese, uh, what makes some um, Japanese is difficult for foreign um, people, um, foreign language speakers. Um, I think the biggest thing is um, uh, kanji. Yeah. So kanji is a logograph and uh, China literally um, means Chinese character because we started borrowing Jap Chinese characters, you know, many hundred years ago. And so um, I think one of the difficulties is um, kanji's pronunciation is not compositional. You either have to know how to read particular kanji or you just don't know. Mm. So um, when you are reading, um, like uh, if I read English tickets, I come across some words I don't know, I can still sound out. So in my head, um, I think the reading process, any reader, um, Japanese reader, or English reader, um, like a logographic reader or alph alphabetic mm -hmm. readers, I think um, process, um, phonological process is happening in the head. Mm -hmm. So I think you are subconsciously making sound. You know, um, so um, it's easy for me, somebody like me, Japanese reader, try to read English because even if big word comes in, I don't know, I can still sound out because of the alphabet. Mm -hmm. But if you read Japanese text and if you are uh, L1 English uh, speakers, you try to read and then big kanji comes if you don't know how to read it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. You can't read up. Yeah. So um, I think if you have a um, phonological sound vacuum, a black hole, I think um, it's very difficult to keep reading. Mm. Um, some of my students said, um, how do you read if you can't understand, you can't uh, work out how to pronounce some kanji word? And then um, quite a lot of them said, I always say something.昨日私はお母さんと名古屋のサムシングで行った。うん。え、そのサムシングのサムシングは、if and I've I've had the I, well it used to be frustrating for me living here, um, knowing the meaning of the kanji but not yeah. knowing how to read it, like yeah. not being able to sound it out. And I've gotten to the point where, and I'm sure Jose is the same, where you can kind of just fill it. Oh, I know the meaning of that, so I'm reading the sentence, yeah. and maybe I just use the English meaning, and then. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's kind of it becomes messy. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I don't, as I uh, also, although I see it, um, brain is um, phonologically, you know, uh, reading in the head, maybe um, sometimes you don't really need the sound um, support, but if you don't have sound support, I think as you just said, it's still not very difficult. Yeah. It's best to have the sound in your head. Yeah. So even if you know the meaning, um, if you don't know how to read, uh, pronounce the kanji, it's not helping. Yeah. What is furigana? So furigana, um, so for those, um, no, uh, very dedicated foreign students and then um, some not very educated <laughs> Japanese people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> People are not strong with kanji. Um, so furigana uh, is uh, usually written in hiragana, one syllable, um, and then so that uh, sort of uh, indicate how to read kanji. So um, if Japanese text goes horizontally, uh, furigana comes above kanji with a smaller font, and then, and then show readers how to read some difficult kanji. Yeah. So at least you can pronounce them, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, uh, I think uh, I'm currently available Japanese graded readers all of the levels. Um, yeah, I think have um, free kana for all the kanji and then lower levels, even some katakana words, uh, carry free kana too. Oh, wow. yeah. So you start by learning one syllabary, which is hiragana, which is the most common. Yeah. Then you learn yeah. the other syllabary, which is katakana, and then you read the learn start reading, start learning yeah, the kanji. Yeah, and that's a long that's a long road, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Everybody hates katakana. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah. I get the uh, whenever I get the recipe from the supermarket, the recipe, the receipt. Yeah, yeah. Is Chinese to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, like a lot of my Chinese students, they can read um Japanese tickets. Uh, when can, more kanji are there, uh, but if I put lots of katakana, mm -hmm. um, their reading speed slows down very, very badly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mentioned, uh, you said when you're reading Japanese horizontally, so sometimes you write horizontally, sometimes you write Japanese uh, vertically. Yeah. Vertically, yeah. So I'm currently available, um, Japanese great reader, the biggest series is Yomi Yomu Bunko, published by um, Tadoku supporters. In Japanese, um, we call them Tagengo Tadoku, Multilingual Tadoku research mm -hmm. um, Some of their books are written horizontally, and then, but, and then all the Japanese paper book for native readers are written in uh, no horizontally, vertical, vertically, mm -hmm. yeah, vertically. Vertical, uh, vertically uh, writing system is more traditional, but lots of Japanese books and uh, school textbooks, um, I think that they are more horizontally nowadays. Yeah. So an, a, a fluent reader of Japanese should learn how to read both horizontally and vertically. Yeah. yeah, and then I think uh, um, even lower grades of uh, primary school children I think they can read both way uh, equally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, good. So I think we're done with the um, particularities of Japanese. 
part unless you think we're forgetting about something that might be important about Japanese and the way it's written? Um, so going back to the writing system, um, or oh, it's more like a sound, like a, um, because as I say, Japanese is called Chakugo, I have to say this difficult word again, agglutinative language. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, verbs um, take um, uh, jodoshi, um, auxiliary verbs uh, afterwards, and then verb comes in the end of the sentence. So um, if um, you simplify some text, and if you are not careful, your simplified text writing sounds very, very childish because same um, end of the verb comes in a row and it sounds very repetitive. Like, uh, for example, Mukashi, Ojisan to Obasan ga imashita. Ojisan wa ryoshi deshita. Obasan wa shufu deshita. Ojisan wa yamae ekimashita. This very similar end of sentence keep coming, and especially simplified tickets, sentences tend to be short. So, if you are not careful, simplified Japanese tickets sounds very childish. And in my um, PhD research, one of the research uh, study I did, um, some of the very competent students of mine said, why do I have to read this childish sentence? It's just like there was a dog, there was a horse, there was a man, and it's so childish, doesn't any uh, nice feeling. So, um, I have to be very careful when I try to write simplified graded tickets for my students. I try to um, uh, put two sentences together. So it's, it's still easy to um, process. Like uh, I don't make a complex sentence, but I make a compound sentence. But if I put two sentences together, it suddenly become um, more fancy. Sure. So, yeah, so that's very important part. If um, anybody wants to write Japanese graded uh, tickets for learners, um, try to make it more fancy without making the tickets more difficult. Mm. Yeah. And now, sorry, um, I want to promote my own website. Go ahead. You're, you're welcome to. Yeah. Um, for you too, because you can visit my website um, with Tokyo University Associate Professor uh, Tatsuhiko Matsushita and then Kaichi International University Professor Satoko Tokumaru. And then I'm the sort of, you know, um, most sort of passionate um, organizer. We started a um, website. It's called Yomimono Ippai, Heaps of Stories. And then uh, on this website, uh, we not only provide credit readers, and then, uh, but also we invite anybody, teachers or volunteers or students like you guys, um, to contribute um, masterpiece in Japanese. Oh, so you can contribute <laughs> your writing, and then so um, I'm sure you can write easily, um, you know, uh, nice stories. And then so um, we try to sort of grade 
because um, Professor Matsushita, he's a vocabulary specialist and he's actually um, PhD, he was a PhD student of Core Nation, so he's got everything vocabulary in his head. And then I'm a reading specialist and uh, the other lady, um, Professor uh, Tokumaru, she is a writing specialist, so we put our three little brains together and invite teachers all over the world. So at the moment, um, a little bit sadly, only my own graded readers are available on my our website. And then I think total, maybe if we are put this soon, it's only 30 stories. Mm -hmm. but, 30? Yeah, we, yeah, only 33, yeah. Um, Holy, I wrote... Well, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, quite a, that's impressive. Yeah, only I wrote, and so I'm asking, your view, uh, not viewers, your listeners try to um, contribute. If um, English story comes, I'm happy to translate and I can be sort of like supporter. Hmm. So it doesn't have to be always Japanese. That's so please so contribute. Um, yeah. could, you, could you give us the address again? Um, if you just type uh, search bar, Yomimono Ippai, it just comes up, yeah. Okay. But I'll send you. Yeah, I'll send you. And if you can kindly put on your um lovely website, we will. I'm very happy. Yeah. We will. Yeah, I'm very excited because already several teachers show interest and they are actually working on their first masterpiece. So, yeah. So you all hear us, uh, <laughs> those in our audience. Oh, please start sending your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> please. Yeah. We, we can make it a hundred soon. <laughs> That'd that's, be great. Yeah, that's yeah. excellent. That's a great resource. Uh, you yeah. Have, so you have uh, different levels already? At the moment, uh, we were talking about making first level to six. First level, a beginner's level has to be segmented in a very fine way. And then even six vocabulary level is not good enough. But because everybody is busy, mm -hmm. professor uh, vocabulary especially he's very busy so um at the moment uh, we have only first level second level third level so it's a little bit slack lazy website but current that's that's very good um yeah yeah travis is checking yeah i'm checking it out right now i'm bringing it up <laughs> yeah that's, and then um, i even draw pictures myself new, new zealand, zealand no, no oakland <laughs> Yeah, so some very poorly uh, drawn pictures are my art. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's great. That's really neat. <laughs> That's neat. I really enjoyed making great readers because that's my life work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm pleased to study. I'll try to make advanced level for you guys because you must be advanced level. Oh, right. <laughs> that's <laughs> No, not so much. So that was the uh, first part of this long interview that uh, Dr. Tabata Sandam gave us. Uh, next week we'll be we'll be extending this discussion and we'll be focusing a bit more on extensive reading itself and not just on the peculiarities of uh, Japanese and its uh, writing system. 
and different syllabaries in kanji and and everything um yeah and as just a japanese learner i think i i found a lot of value in that and hopefully there are more than a few japanese learners in our audience who who found that beneficial or if you're interested in in learning japanese so well i did learn a lot through this through this yeah. interview and yeah get, get ready for next episode we'll be giving uh well she'll be telling us about uh, where to find a lot of material and we'll post that uh, by the way, the articles that uh, uh, Dr. Tabata Sandom mentioned mm-hmm. uh, in this part of the interview will be part of the text that comes with the WordPress uh, post with yep. this podcast. Same with her website. Um, I understand now why she didn't give us the website address. It's it's pretty long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you you can find that on our on our site, or you could Google, as uh, she said. So. Yeah, our address is simpler. Our address is much simpler. <laughs> That's erpodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, yeah, and you could also send us some comments and, and emails. We need some feedback from, from the audience. Or we're really uh, missing yeah. your feedback. Uh, uh, so you could leave a comment at that WordPress, or you could send us an email at exrpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we check both. Yeah, we need to know what works and what doesn't work and uh, uh, which areas you think you we, we should be covering and uh, who uh, we might interview. Especially, yeah, especially that other people we can talk to, or even if you have some strong opinions you'd like to share. That'd we, be awesome. Yeah, we'd love to put you on. We, we, we need people who don't like extensive reading in particular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about that. That'd be pretty interesting, we think, for an episode of, of just hearing somebody else's opinion on it, so... Yeah, and also one, one thing I would like to comment is that uh, maybe uh, some of you would like to download the episodes and not just stream them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not quite, uh, it's not really evident how to do that uh, from uh, from the WordPress site. So, but uh, where you see the bar with the, um, uh, the audio player, there's uh, at the right end, there's a Greek temple-like icon. Uh, you click on that icon and you go to archive.org, which is where we are, uh, where the episodes are hosted, and then you can find several formats for each episode, mm. uh, so you can download them there. I would, I would like to do that if yeah. I were listening to the podcast. And apologies on my behalf. Uh, I know we had talked about putting it on uh, the podcast app, and I still intend to do that. And I've just, there's no other word for it than uh, <laughs> lazy. <laughs> I've, I've been well, a little lazy on that regard, so. But it'll happen. But yep. until then, please follow uh, Jose's advice and follow it to um, the archive link and download it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that makes it uh, for today's episode. Uh, don't miss the next episode, episode 15, uh, with the second part of uh, our interview with Dr. Tabata Sandam, uh, with plenty of resources on uh, extensive reading in Japanese, plenty of... Uh, or talk about different collections of graded readers and our nice insights uh, regarding ER in, in Japanese and other topics like maybe the use of uh, manga and uh, children books in trying to learn to read in Japanese. Good, so until then, happy, happy reading! reading.